In the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, how are you today? Welcome to the Sunday edition of the St. Mark Bemidji Podcast, a podcast that features the Sunday sermon from ours or another Wells Lutheran Church. It is our sincere hope here at the podcast office that these devotions will encourage you to stay in the Word, to come out to divine services, and to fellowship and receive and give encouragement to your fellow believers in Christ. They're also a great tool to share with your friends, acquaintances, and strangers that may not have heard the good news of Jesus. Feel free to give this stuff away. It's why we do it. Like a couple of our other podcasts this week, our sermon today is based on Isaiah chapter 64. The study for today focuses specifically on verses 3 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when the fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear is perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. And now, for today's meditation. In the name of Christ Jesus, whose name means salvation, amen. If you look at your service folder for this morning, almost smack dab in the middle of the first reading, the reading from Isaiah, there's a question being asked. In the New International Version of the Bible that's printed there in front of you, that question is rendered this way. How then shall we be saved? That's not bad. But it's not the clearest. How then shall we be saved? In fact, this is one of the I guess maybe you could call it strange joys of being a pastor where you get to look at, at the Word, you get to look at it in the, in the original. And one thing as I was preparing for this week that I noticed with this one verse was that there is no modern translation into English where that question is dealt with the same. So I went back to my good old trusty seminary notes because I didn't know what else to do. Because I was confused about how the word, uh, how that that question was was worded, and then it dawned on me as I was flipping back through some of those old pages that I wrote over, man, seven years ago now. That question is a question of shock, 
That is a question where Isaiah is sitting back saying this is against all odds. I think the best rendering of that question is this. With the vocal inflection. And we are saved? And we are saved? Really? In fact, this whole verse... This entire verse is rich with meaning. And as I said, you know, as a pastor, you go back um, on a week-to-week basis and you look through the Scripture uh, in the original. And what it forces you to do, I think, if anything, is to slow down. I was talking to, to, to one of you about this this past week. It forces a pastor to slow down and read it like you read it again for the first time. And things jump out at you when, you when you do that. Isaiah writes, You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry and we are saved? This verse highlights the fact that God hates sin For sinners like us, it's almost like a circular thing. We continued to sin. We continued in our sin. Like a dog returns to its pile of puke. As Paul says in Romans, basically the punishment for sin is more sin. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Sin separates. Sin divides. It causes harm physically, spiritually. It's like, take your pick. Take your pick. What sin do you want? The habitual habitual one in your life? The the one that doesn't really seem like it's such a big deal anymore because you've done it so often? Or is it the big looming sin that's weighing on your mind that maybe you did last week that you just really haven't gotten over yet? All sin separates. All sin divides. Ponder that one of yours and consider how dangerous it is. How it has divided you from others, caused shame or robbed you or yourself or others around you of love. How it's damaged your relationship with the Lord. This is habitual. This is continual sin. I don't like to use the word a pet sin because it's not cute. It's hideous. They're ugly. All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts, our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind blow our... Uh, the wind... And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Filthy rags. No. Again, slowing down and reading it for the first time, it's not just filthy rags. Used menstrual cloth. That's the literal translation there. Worse than disgusting. Worse than useless. 
Not the stained oil rag that you use in the garage that you're probably going to go back to and use again and wipe up. No. Stained menstrual cloth. That's our righteous ex. Can we go back to the PG version? No. This is the word, this is the word that the Holy Spirit inspired. I heard a pastor preach on this one time and he highlighted that, that point and somebody pulled him aside after church and said, well, yeah, maybe you shouldn't you know, go there. And he's like, well, your issue isn't with me. Your issue is with the Holy Spirit. That's what he calls our, 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 our good and righteous works even in our own eyes. This is the depth of Isaiah's cry of anguish recognizing that there's not a single thing that anyone can do to save themselves. And even in our attempt to do good, we sin. And our efforts are worse than useless. And we are saved? Are you beginning to sense the bit of astonishment behind that question? As we begin to understand a little better why Isaiah begins this whole portion this way, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. With that simple sentence, Isaiah is saying that he, along with all God's people in the Old Testament, are waiting eagerly on the promise of God. Why? Because we're exhausted. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The believer sees what sin does in their homes, in their lives, in the workplace. The believer sees the guilt and the damage that it causes. We're burdened by guilty consciences. Many of us have a tangled web in our own lives that we get ourselves stuck in. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're just like in too deep? Maybe you got into a project where you were fixing something and you thought, man, I wish... Wish I knew what I, I know now before I started this whole thing. Now I'm up to my eyeballs and I don't know what to do. I wish that somebody else would just kind of step in here and fix it. That's exactly what Isaiah is saying here. He knows that neither he nor the people of Israel deserve it. He knows that we've returned like a dog to its vomit, to our sin. But the Lord has promised, as Paul said in the, in the second reading for today in Corinthians, God is faithful. He made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that He would fix it. That He would save. That He would be a blessing to all nations. That He would be the sacrifice to pay for the sins of the world. After all the accumulated guilt, He said that He would be the deliverer, that he would be the bridge between earth and heaven. After all the accumulated iniquity and the trespass and the debt that we have accrued in sin, he would do this. And we are saved? How will he do this? Since ancient times, no one has hurt, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. Isaiah says, I'm right there with you. I don't know what it is that God, or why it is that God has done this, only out of pure undeserved love that He has promised to save. 
And he comforts his readers. He comforts his hearers. And he reminds them of a few important things. First of all, they have faith. Their faith is in the only God who has ever acted or ever could act for His people. There there is no other God who proves Himself in that way by actually doing something. He's not a God of brick or stone or precious metals. But rather, throughout the ages, He's acted as their Father. He's led them from captivity in the wilderness. He's shaped them, moved them, saved them from their enemies and from themselves. And when they wandered away like lost sheep, He led them back to the fold. Realize that we're in the later chapters of Isaiah here. Isaiah has already said in chapter 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah has already expressed the wonder that God would do. Maybe I've mentioned this to you before in a sermon, but one of my favorite um, Jesus movies, if you will, was one that came out, I think it was in the early 80s or late 70s. They used to come on the, like the double disc or a, a disc, double tape set that you could get at the library. It was called Jesus of Nazareth. And one of my favorite things about that movie was the fact that the whole thing was narrated by Isaiah. It was like he was there. And like in some scenes, you see this man in kind of like a cowled hood, like hiding in the back, and it's the narrator's voice. And it's as though he's watching it. It's as though it's so real that he was there, even though Isaiah's writing 600, 700 years roughly before Jesus even puts a, a toe on the dirt. Crushed for our iniquity, pierced for our transgressions, the punishment that brought us peace was on Him. By His wounds, we are healed. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. This is what God will do for His people. As a sheep before its shearers is silent, so He will not, be, he will not open His mouth. What eye, what ear, what human mind could have possibly perceived this? That the Creator would become His creation? Who'd comprehend that He would be the one to take on what we deserve? To be a blessing for all nations, to be the sacrifice, and by His cross be that bridge from earth to heaven. And yes, after all we've done, that this should be God's solution. That's the astonishment behind Isaiah's question. And we're saved? This is the first Sunday in the season of Advent and it's appropriate for us to focus on what God the Father promised to His Old Testament people. To see that their faith in a promised Savior is really no different than ours. They looked ahead to that sacrifice. We look back on it. Isaiah is preparing the hearts of his hearers for what God will do. This is what you should look for. This is what you should be prepared for. And with this one simple question, and we are saved. Consider that. And we are saved. And this is what we also recognize during the season of Advent. That the, this is the chief reason for Jesus coming here. It wasn't to fill us with sentimental, warm, fuzzy feelings throughout the holiday season. 
He wasn't here to only be a good preacher or a good teacher or some kind of life coach. And that's too often the Christ that we see when we hear Christ preached as just the reason for the season. That ends up being a weak Christ. That ends up being a Jesus without His cross. He becomes a poster boy for nothing more than good feelings or maybe for things that politicians would use. That's a weak Christ who never deals with guilt or sin, but only, pre, uh, but only supports our presuppositions and our opinions. Where people would use Him. Where people would use Him instead of Him using us. And that's why during the season of Advent, so much of sharing the reason for the season fails. Because we divorce the manger from the cross instead of looking into that manger and saying, this is for me? This is the means by which I'm saved. This is for us in spite of it all that the Lord is not angry with me beyond measure. He's not angry with us beyond measure. It's in this. It's in this cross that Jesus deals with. Gets His hands dirty with. Bloodies Himself. And deals with sin and guilt and shame. Remembers your sin no more. And question no longer. We are saved. Amen. I sincerely pray that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Didn't get enough of God's Word? Are you missing out on that in-person fellowship? We hold divine services right here in Bemidji, Minnesota, at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. We also live stream our Sunday Divine Service at 8 a.m. You can ensure that you are notified when a stream is live or a new podcast is available by subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's easy to find by typing in St. Mark Bemidji in the search bar and clicking on the subscribe button. Want to listen to meditations the way I do every day? Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Go to podcastindex.org and search for St. Mark Bemidji to find us. This is our fifth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarksbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again, www.stmarksbemidji.org. May God bless the rest of your day.